Howdy, craft beer lovers. Welcome to the Hop and Barrel Happy Hour. I'm Brian. And I'm Justin. We're here with producer Casey, and on the air with us once again is Mel and Jen, who you heard on the previous episode. If you haven't, tune in, Blind Ninja Studios, Hop and Barrel Happy Hour. So the Hop and Barrel Happy Hour is brought to you by Blind Ninja Studios in beautiful River Falls, Wisconsin. Before we get started, we'd like to give a shout out to the Black Belt patrons, Andy Thompson, Bjorn Bjornsson, Brian Jones, Tyler Romanski, and Hop and Barrel. You can support Blind Ninja Studios on Patreon at patreon.com backslash Blind Ninja Studios or by following the patron link at the bottom of the homepage at blindindustudios.com. This is episode number eight, which includes news and updates about the Hop and Barrel Brewery from March 1st to March 14th. Hey, Justin, would you consider beer to be soup? I mean, we've always had the cake and pie debate. I always thought it was more of a pie. <laughs> Immediately but... when I said, is beer soup, Jen said, cake or pie. Yeah, I, yeah Didn't you? Mine goes. <laughs> I mean, it's probably kind of a soup, but I, I don't know the culinary definition. You ever put any uh, alphabet pasta into your beer? No, never. What? I can actually safely say that. Not yet? <laughs> is it something we should try? I mean, there's probably a beer there. Probably, but we, you know what we should do first is crack open a beer. All right. So today... Uh, we are going to be pouring our Lemon Breaker, which on the previous episode we did taste in a little bit of a sampler, uh, but we're going to actually give it a, a firm taste here. So while, we're, while we are filling our glassware and tasting the beer, let's find out what everyone has been up to beer-related lately. Justin. Oh, I've been um, kind of looking through some of the local double IPAs getting ready for our Dippa Fest at the end of March. Awesome. Yeah, that's going to be awesome. I was actually talking to uh, Ellis from The Garage Bikes and Brews, and he is uh, going to participate too, Casey, uh, just so you're aware of that. Uh, Ellis from Bikes and Garage Brew, uh, one of our favorite joints, is yeah. going to make a, a nice, fresh double IPA. Yeah, I've been talking Sweet. to him about getting him on the show. Mm -hmm. He said another month. So He sent us a, or he sent me a, like a longer email and was like, you know, I, I, I really like the show, and I'm going to respond and be like, then come on the show. Yeah, we, we, <laughs> we may have gotten drunk together uh, a couple weeks ago. Nice. And I'm guessing that may have sparked the email. I'm not I, entirely I sure, so. but it was, it was good, to, <laughs> good to hear from him. So, Justin, so you've been sampling some local Deepas, uh, and I actually have been doing the same thing and communicating. Um, so, I mean, that's coming up pretty quick here, because when you're listening to this, uh, this is March 1st to March 14th, and it is... Officially on March 27th. March 27th. So, you guys come down to the brewery and check out all the local double IPAs. We tried to do this last year, didn't get a chance to execute it, unfortunately, because of them COVID times. Um, but yeah, so we're just kind of getting ready for all of that. Uh, there's a couple other events that we're getting ready for that we will talk about in a minute. But, Justin, we're drinking Lemon Breaker. Yeah, I haven't. Uh Actually, as, as funny, as as busy as we've been getting ready for it and ramping it up, I haven't really sampled it lately. Yeah, I haven't had it in a long time either. Um, it is, it's a, it's a, it's a summer shandy. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it is made with Spring Grove soda. Yep, from beautiful Spring Grove, Minnesota. Minnesota, not Spring Grove, Wisconsin, which is also a thing. Yeah. Um, but no, it's, it's a traditional shandy in the English sense. It's our Minnesconsin blended with this craft soda that we... We blend in-house, and it's just got a great balance of sweetness, yet still retaining beer flavor, and mm -hmm. yeah. I think in, the, in our neck of the woods, the <clears throat> the sweeter the beer, the better, um, is kind of how uh, people like it up in this neck of the woods. Jenny, what do you think about this one? I love Lemon Breaker. <laughs> I love Lemon Breaker. 
We were at St. Paul Brewing a few weeks ago, and she said uh, we went into the tap room and Jen asked for a dark sour. <laughs> and they kind of were like, huh? <laughs> That's just not a very common beer. So I know Jen kind of likes our, she likes the sours and she likes the, the sweeter beers, but just sort of the beer-flavored beers aren't, aren't really your, no. your favorite. You're more of <laughs> a co- fancy cocktails and wine. So Mel, thoughts on Lemon Breaker? Refreshing mm-hmm. on this cold, cold winter day. <laughs> yeah. We are going to be drinking this when it's warmer <laughs> yep. on the patio at Hop and Barrel. Yeah, this I went out into the garage just now to get a beer out of the beer fridge, and it felt warm compared to the temperature outside. So I think at this point, the the beer fridge in the garage at the studio here is actually keeping the beer warm and, and yeah. Yeah. causing yeah. it to not freeze. It's now a beer heater. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta love it, because it is, uh, what is it, a negative 10 right now? Uh, yeah, it feels like minus 29. Feels like minus 29. So hopefully by the time everyone's actually hearing this, it's much nicer out. Oh, gosh. <laughs> Be very very cool. Uh, so yeah, uh, we can kind of move into the, some some news, community news, funny news, some stuff that has to do with Hudson here. So uh, the Sundown Taco Throwdown is back. Mm-hmm. Now this will be on May sixth this year again. Last year postponed. How do we usually run this? We have some secret ingredients. How does that work? Yeah, so the gist of the Sundown Taco Throwdown is it started out as an idea, and and Chef Bill from Agave deserves a lot of credit for kind of pushing us to do this, too. Um, But it it, at its heart was a charity event. We get hit up by a lot of charity groups, which is awesome, but we can only give out so much. And we do some raffle things like that, but this is a great way for us to focus on, on downtown Hudson, raise some money, We've always tried to work with a local charity, and we're we're fine working on the fine details of who that's going to be. But I think we have a, a hyper local charity for Hudson we're going to be working with this year, and then we're we're focusing on the downtown restaurants. So we just ask the restaurants to come in, make enough tacos to feed around a hundred people when you get all of them there, and then have a beer pairing with it. It's it's always. Quite a few more than a hundred. Yeah, yeah. It's but it's it's a ticketed event. Uh, all the proceeds from the tickets and then a part of the beer sales go to this charity, and then people come in, try the tacos. We've got some some. Uh, I don't want to say gimmicky contest because we take it pretty seriously, and it's it's changed a little bit with how we've judged it each year. But I think honestly, the local restaurants take it very very seriously. They do. Right. They do. There are, like I said, secret ingredients that don't get revealed to the public until a little bit farther down the line. I mean, those have yet to uh, have been devised at this point. No, and we, point. we like taking kind of a hands-off. We um, we kind of have a planning meeting with the restaurants and let them make the choices when it comes to the culinary side of things. We'll focus on running the event and the beers that are going to be there, but they decide how they want to run the the tacos, the protein, the secret ingredients that's that's in their hands. Yeah, I think they all take it pretty seriously, and we're, like I said, we're going to focus on the downtown area uh, this year, just, you know, COVID kind of keep it close to the a little bit closer to the best uh, yeah, and, we don't know all the participants yet, but we did kind of extend it out to places you wouldn't normally expect for Hudson. We'll, we'll see who's up for it, but, you know, every every restaurant downtown, including Bricks, you know, places that don't even do tacos got invited, and we'll see if people get creative or not. True. So this is Thursday, May 6th, and it'll be at the brewery. Um, do we have any music or anything interesting, or is it just... We are considering music. It just depends on how many food vendors and how much our power grade could handle that. How, how much rumbo-jumbo is going down. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. So that being said, as you are hearing this, Lemon Breaker is officially back in the market. Um, so one of the things 
you know, this this beer blew up for us. This is a huge deal. Um, you all out there really enjoy this beer. And I think at this point, the focus is on distribution. Um, why this beer? You know, I mean... I mean, it, it was one that we, we can safely say we didn't really set out planning to do. It was something, mm-hmm. the first year we did it, it was, uh, we were selling some, N- the Spring Grove as an NA option. Yep. And some people just started on our own in-house blending it just for a shandy to enjoy. Yeah, it was uh, one bottle, one 12-ounce bottle of soda, Yeah, the, lem- the Spring Grove Lemon Sour Soda, and you would have to pour two half pints of uh, the lemon, or uh, I'm sorry, of Minnesconsin, which is the base beer for this beer. So then the the beer tender had to, you know, go all go over to the cooler, grab a bottle of beer, open the... Or I remember ordering it and <laughs> yeah, that way and, and it, watching it be handcrafted yeah, in front of me. It was a whole thing, and we thought, you know, what the heck, let's uh, get in touch with... No, and I think something cool, we became the biggest, we found out we were the biggest retailer of this type of soda in, in Wisconsin. Yeah, when you can sell 10 cases of soda a week at a brewery tap room, <laughs> the company generally wants to know what's up. Yeah, so so we got in touch directly with a company and worked out a deal where we um, we buy the buy the ingredients from them and signed a deal to not sell it on our own or share any secrets. Right. And then um, we just kind of went into a, a bigger mode of production and make it right in our bright tanks now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, then as far as the flavor goes on this beer, <clears throat> we're talking... It, it is Minnesconsin is the base, which is a Hellas Lager. It was one of the first beer recipes, I think, that you and I sort of devised. We were looking mm-hmm. into this Brees Synergy malt that we were really into and that we had sort of discovered at uh, one of the homebrew conventions. And naturally, that's just sort of what they were uh, mixing it with in uh, the taproom, which is, is, we call it a canary beer. It's a, you know, a, a, a nice yellow uh, beer-flavored beer. Uh, and it went well with the, the Spring Grove Soda. And we decided to go down that road uh, and mix it together and can it, give it its own label and its own identity. Um, but yeah, there was some some interesting. So this is kind of a, a good transition. We could transition somewhat into this whole industry news segment uh, about exploding cans, which we definitely. I'm okay admitting we had very <laughs> definitely had exploding cans of lemon breaker back in the day. Yep. I can, yeah. I can also safely say we figured that out before we started working with distributors, at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There was a brewery plan meeting with the one, or well, I mean, I think... The local one. Yeah, the yeah. local distributor Bills. was like, hey, you guys had exploding cans. We're like, yeah, we know. We fixed it. Yep. And that was pretty much it. I mean, if you listen to a couple episodes back, we're on uh, an episode with uh, Brad Knickerbocker from Bills. Uh, Bill's Distribution, and that's the distributor that we're talking about, so... That's the reference. But that being said, in, in the news recently, this is becoming a hot a hot button issue. And why is this? Because people really want these, you know, these beers that are just jammed with uh, fruit uh, and, and uh, all kind of uh, like fruit flavors to make it this whole like milkshake sort of fruit fruited uh, beer or IPA or sour. Um, so what, what causes the, the can to explode? It's yeast and sugar. It's it's refermentation is what it gets down to at the core of it. So there's no no way to get the yeast out. I mean, well, there are. I mean, you can you can address it by filtering a little more, which that 
with a lot of these IPAs goes against the grain because everyone wants a hazy, murky IPA. Mm-hmm. So but how you do start we filtering it? <laughs> Casey's <laughs> shaking his head. <laughs> <laughs> so, so a lot of places aren't filtering, or they haven't spent the money, or even have the not that you need a specialized knowledge per se, but they don't have the equipment or capability of doing that. But there's filtering, there's additives, and then you know you start adding food, then you are adding additives to things. You get into food safety concerns. Um, or there's just simply not add unfermented sugars to a finished beer, but then that goes against what everyone's wanting for the their their sweet tooth cravings. Right. So we're having a hard time kind of wrapping my head around this act- this product actually being beer, and it really is just sort of a malt beverage at this point. Canned wop. Canned wop. I mean, wop. <laughs> <laughs> I mean it, is that a Midwestern thing? Like, like the. <laughs> We're talking about different WAPs now. I'm very confused. Uh, no. <laughs> W-O-P. <laughs> oh, boy. <laughs> but I, I, and it's something we've, we've had kind of, not to, to delve into it too deeply, but it, it does almost seem like beer's at a dividing point with some of these. Mm-hmm. Not that the product isn't fine for what it is, but it's really deviated so much and become alcohol- you know, and I'm not saying this negatively, but it's like alcoholic sugar water. It's a different food product than beer mm-hmm. because of all these things you're adding into it and you're adding these things after fermentation. So you're changing that making process, which mm-hmm. kind of ties in with how the, the Brewers Guild has actually issued a couple bulletins on it. Um, you know, they, they, they've kind of done it through technical education as a quality control, but the reality is unlike cleaning or other things like this, it, this is much more of a food safety concern. This is a, right. a physical safety concern depending on where and when these cans blow up too. So Yeah, that was uh it was some some scrambling on our part. I seem to remember us having to drive up to like Duluth so Superior and rescue yeah. a whole bunch of cans from all over the place. Yeah. <clears throat> and then getting the opportunity to, to take those cans and whip them into dumpsters and watch them explode. <laughs> <laughs> so that's pretty fun. Yeah. I, I think if Audie's listening to this, I am sorry you have PTSD because of it. No, I'm kidding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, the the no. kind of the, the last straw was at at the liquor store in town that you don't really want something to go wrong at it exploded in some poor um, elderly man's hands. And I've heard people tell me, uh, oh, I was at my house and I heard this popping noise and, you know, da-da-da. And, and as much as you, you know, want to write on the can, you know, keep this cold, it, it's not the consumer's fault that the can no, is exploding. You, it's the brewery's fault. Your beer shouldn't explode, period. And, and that's the... <laughs> I don't care who you are. The thing you have to keep in mind, when you're shipping it out, you lose the ability to, you know, breweries can claim its demands to be in cold or whatever, but you lose the ability to really maintain and control where your beer is or how it's held or what a restaurant mm-hmm. or a bar is going to do with it. So, yeah. um, you know, for us, I'd say it was a, a very good... Um, lesson and learning in how we approach all of our beers and making sure they're that much more stable. I think, as we've talked in the last episodes, it's carried over to how we treat Crooked. Uh, Crooked's become a much more stable beer because of the lessons we've learned from that, too. So. Right. So though the key to the Lemon Breaker is adding something that will kill the yeast. Yep. Stop re-fermentation. Mm-hmm. So mostly the industry is treating this uh, as one that's, like you said, requiring some guidance, um, some not consequences yet. But unlike topics like beer freshness that the industry is addressed with, technical education exploding cans are not purely a quality control issue. They're, uh, like you said, a product, also a product and food safety concern. So um, like I said, th- there's no there's no reason why um, beer should be exploding. 
Um, and frankly, it's only a matter of time until regulator, regulators are take notice and, and really start kind of the FDA really starts kind of fiddling around and messing with this. So this is why those types of beer, you know, if it comes down to further regulation, need to be put in a different class like seltzer, malt beverage. Well, and it, it's kind of an interesting also tie in with we just uh, passed our um, state health inspection mm-hmm. they've had for a couple of years not a not a warning but just kind of a heads up that the FDA is making uh, training OSHA like things are going to be part of the actual food safety training and mm-hmm. once that happens it's not really a far step or hard to imagine that exploding cans refermented beer things like that would actually become enforceable or within the purview of the health department's regulation in Wisconsin even so if they're doing that here you can only imagine other states like Minnesota would jump into it a little quicker gotcha all right. Okay. So, I suppose I don't I don't see a whole lot else on the on the old show notes here. We tried out the lemon breaker. We talked about exploding cans. Jen is here. Mel is here. We are. <laughs> wow. Oh, that we was, are following along. That was right, creepy. Jen. Right. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> Oh, boy. Well, anyway, so let's get the heck out of here then for the week. Uh, If you are listening uh, to this episode, uh, there are many other episodes prior to this. This, like I said, is episode eight. Um, So thanks for tuning in this week. If you have any questions, comments, or what have you, send us an email to info at hopandbarrelbrewing.com. You can find our beer in northwestern Wisconsin and all around the Twin Cities area, but not in the Twin Cities. If your local establishment doesn't have our beer on tap or on the shelf, please ask them. This really helps us out because, unfortunately, we cannot ship beer to individuals in Missouri, for example. Save the date, 327 and 56 for our upcoming events. There you go. Uh, you can find Hop and Barrel on Facebook at Hop and Barrel Brewing and follow us on Instagram at Hop and Barrel. You can also send a message to feedback at blindninjastudios.com and find them on Facebook at facebook.com backslash blindninjastudios and follow Twitter at blind underscore ninja. See you next time. <laughs>